ladies and gentlemen, hear them pour. It's the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WILK. Ah, here we are on a lovely Sunday afternoon, and the studio is never spelled better with uh, a lot of guys in it and one poor woman who has to put up with all this. But it smells wonderful in here because we have a ton of coffee, and uh, we were joined this week by Mary from Electric City Roasting Company, a local roasting company. If you don't know their coffee, then that's your problem. Phenomenal coffee. And what we're doing is uh, over this week and next week, we've the show split up into two very special episodes, getting into coffee and beer and the intersection of both. And uh, this week, we're going to get really into the coffee roasting process and everything goes on with that, as well as having some beers. So I guess we're still Beer Geeks Radio, but a little more coffee focus this week, which not a bad thing, as Matt would say. Yeah, does not suck. There you go. <laughs> but uh, before we get into anything, let me get into a little bit of beer news. Now, one of the things that's always fun to cover is the state laws that are going on. Um, this one is not as bizarre as what we had last week with everything with that cooler and the sales and all that. That was bizarre. Yeah. Uh, in Missouri, uh, lawmakers are looking to expand growler sales. Now, what's going on, what they've had there is that brewers can sell growlers and certain restaurants, if there's certain stipulations, which it was very vague about, and I do not know what that means, uh, but they are now expanding it to that they're going to allow retail sales and business owners that have liquor license to be able to sell growlers because right now it's really, you can only get it from the brewer and a handful of random places that allow the sales that I don't know how that works, but they're looking at actually expanding it now that all retail locations that have a liquor license can sell a growler. Yeah, it seems like, to me, it seems like there should be a more uniform growler or crowler kind of law throughout and, and like federally almost. It's because each state it's like you can do whatever growlers you want or you have to get a growler from the brewery or it yeah. has to be this or it has to be that. It's kind of like a little wild wild west it, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it, this one's not as weird as everything we saw with uh, Florida and, and, and uh, Minnesota with what was going on with those laws where we had oh, yeah, brewers on talk. Hall, yeah. yeah, just going through the nonsense that they have to. That It's a little more uh, friendly but it's still just one of those fun things that always goes on. Well, I, I like the ones Wait, that who's have, that over there? Uh-oh. I'm back Uh-oh. from the woods. <laughs> <laughs> I got lost. <laughs> what was that, Billy? <laughs> I totally forgot. No, no. You know, you think about Florida is ha- that that they had. All right, you could buy sixty four ounce, but you couldn't buy thirty two ounce. Yeah. like that. It, that just doesn't make any sense. That no, don't make no sense. It, none of. I don't know. The, the, that's why. I said the, the beer laws. Thing, that's what we need to get is get a lawyer that somehow doesn't. I don't know. Hasn't killed themselves yet that deals with all this stuff. Would that be like a like a Always Sunny thing where a guy, you know, it's like bird law, it's just on beer law? There is actually, there, there is like a, a couple brewers, that, uh, lawyers that have popped up doing that because of mostly copyright issues. Yeah, for that's breweries. The, yeah, that's the like main that, thing yeah. they deal with. I mean, you could sit there all day and just send out those cease and desist letters. Yeah. I wouldn't mind cashing that check, just sitting there <laughs> stamping something over and over again. But uh, all right, another one that's going on, and this is one we're going to be getting onto in the show too as well. Sam Adams this week, it's really come on, uh, on Onto the market is their nitro beers. It's something they've been working on for about three years. Uh, they have a lineup of nitro beers that have now come nationwide. And in it, they have a nitro IPA, a nitro white ale, which is their wheat ale, and one that we're going to be having later on the show today, their coffee stout. So it's a really cool thing to see, just another movement within that. It's kind of a the nitro thing. Is kind of really starting to catch on more within craft beer. It's been something. If you're, if you're not familiar with that, is uh, what that means to a beer. The best example you can think of is Guinness. Like having that Guinness, the way that head looks and the, the mouth feel. That's what 
a nitro beer really is the feeling that they're going for with that. Yeah, mouthfeel. Sometimes you get a little bit of taste kind of um, gets brought back from the nitro, but it's a mm-hmm. cool thing for them to do, and they don't mess around market-wise. They're like, hey, we're oh, releasing no. a beer, and like three days later I saw it in yeah, shelves. It's out. So, um, But yeah, I mean, traditionally, you know, the coffee one just makes sense. IPA, you see that usually on breweries, like mm-hmm. almost on cask or specialty bars. They did the white ale, which is a little bit unique, but it's uh, it's, it's fun to see them do and try something that they've done before, but never nationwide yeah, not like this. Yeah, kind of scale, yeah. So it's always fun. We're going to say something, Bill. You're leaning in. Well, I, I just think that uh, the, the nitro adds a little bit of creaminess to the mouthfeel. Yeah. You yeah. know, I think that's probably one that, way that's to describe it. One of the reasons, too, I think why it pairs even more with like a coffee stout because you want that creamy feeling within chocolate kind of coffee flavors. So it's a really good thing. Uh, all right. Some other new beers are coming out now. For some reason, I don't know where this is coming from out of left field. Watermelon has become the craze. Uh, Ballast Point has released a watermelon Eldorado double IPA. Uh, Terrapin also announced that. This spring, their watermelon goza is going to be hitting nationwide in cans. So I don't know where that watermelon thing, I haven't really seen that one coming, but that's all of a sudden, I don't know where it's going. Well, I think it's, you know, I would say it's part, probably part and parcel to the success that uh, 21st Amendment's had, whether yeah. higher, you know, higher, yeah. hell, water, uh, hell or water, hell or high. Yeah, there we go. It's called, we'll stumbl- it's called a stumbling <laughs> beer. Well, I mean, in the woods, they don't have yeah. watermelons. You know, all right, just have and uh, two more that kind of <laughs> would be really good to have with today's show, too. Uh, Wicked Weed has announced that their French toast imperial stout is coming out in cans. So that'd be a really great one to try. A nice imperial stout with some Derek's getting ma- the maple syrup. <laughs> Billy and I love that one. And then uh, Avery... Have that in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Avery, Avery announced that their Tweak is going to be hitting shelves again at the end of the month, which is a phenomenal beer that Matt and I love. Tweak is... Um is fantastic. I mean, it is it is danger beer. Do you know what I mean? It's usually up there in that, you know, 1912, or not, not 12, 1918, 1918 uh, kind of ABV area. So it's 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 taking coffee beer to the extreme, but yeah. th- their balance in their barrels um, the yeah. program is It's one of those amazing. dangerously easy drinking ones, yeah. which is, you find out how dangerous it is after about two hours of enjoying it. And yeah. Well, you more, you just wake up next day, then you realize it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. All right, let's get into some of these beers we have now. And one of the first ones that we have is from Boulevard. Now, most of the ones we have today are kind of newer ones. Uh, this is a new release from Boulevard Brewing Company. This is their Early Riser Coffee Porter, 5.2% ABV coffee porter. Uh, it's kind of more of an espresso type that they use in that. But it's just one of the things I want to say up front, too, before we get into a lot of this stuff, primarily where you see a lot of coffee beers when people promote it that way are porters and stouts and, and the reason behind that we can kind of touch on as we get into the roasting process is those flavors are very married to one another within the malts as you roast those malts to get that dark color it naturally has some like coffee kind of astringency bitterness to it so the coffee is naturally going to lend itself into those styles yeah i mean there's a lot of russian imperial stout stuff like that where they don't have any coffee in them whatsoever yeah. and you're getting coffee notes from them so it makes sense and when you're dealing with you know pairing flavor you can either go Similar, you can go exact opposites, yeah. and then it just kind of makes sense to put in porters and stouts. Yeah, there's a lot, and this one's nice. It's like a lighter, it's definitely a lighter one compared to what other ones we have today, and especially at 5.2%. I mean, you can see it, though, as you pour it. It kind of almost looks like a brown ale. It's a very light American porter. But yeah, like, it has a pretty thin mouthfeel to yeah. it, too, mm-hmm. but... But yeah. it's not like it's not overly bitter. That's the one thing that's tough when you're doing into lighter beers with the coffee is getting that astringency to kind of take over on you with that, and you have to kind of keep that in mind and in balance as you're going with that. But no, it's really it's nice, easy drinking one. And Boulevard, no, uh, yeah, Boulevard yeah. has it. I mean, it, it almost even tastes a lot of like Boulevard's very Belgian leading, so it almost tastes like they use like maybe even like a Belgian yeast and something like this. But yeah, I dig it. Yeah. It's good. 
we'll be seeing this one more and more as they come out. And that's, I think this year we're going to start to see Boulevard from that everything going on with Duval start to really aggressively come out more into markets as they're opening. Because you see that more and more, a lot more breweries are expanding out. And I think as that territory is continuing to expand out, people are just going to be leapfrogging on one another into different areas and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, uh, Duval, Omegang is well represented in this area, but, you know, Firestone, Walker, and Boulevard aren't. So hopefully yeah. they, the that changes sooner rather than later. So, Mary, I want to ask you, too, as we're getting, you're having some of these beers. When you're t- tasting these, because your palate has adjusted more for coffee, does that jump out to you first more, like, as soon as you take a sip from these kind of beers? Yeah, it's interesting that, that you would just bring that up, because my, I was just having this uh, conversation with myself about how I don't pick up a significant amount of coffee taste profile in this beer. I mean, yeah. Not that that's a bad yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I think that the roaster set out to design this so that it would be, do yeah. exactly what... I actually think they did a very good job at the way they, they roasted the coffee for this particular beer. <laughs> you know, because I, I think you want the balance. I don't think and you want... And that's the key, yeah. the balance. Yeah, the yeah. balance. You don't want too much bitterness. I think that's that's the thing you have to keep in mind when you're yeah. doing these. Exactly. Especially in something that's light like that. Right, and it looks to me like based on what this that they send their label, yeah. that they're using a Colombian coffee, which is, inherently has... Uh, a little bit more of a body to it, and the roaster probably decided that he wanted to remove some of the acidity off the top of that, and you can certainly do that by, you know, taking that, um, the roast time on this particular coffee, probably a little bit longer, but not so dark as to pick up, you know, more of an overbearing power, which I would imagine, and I've had, and I'm sure you guys also have enjoyed uh, a much more heft to the body of a beer that also has more coffee flavor to it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And yeah. that's the balance thing. Like, sometimes you don't want to be punched in the face with everything. It is, is subtle <laughs> and nuanced, and you just want to enjoy yourself, and sometimes you just want heaping help, yeah. helpings of coffee, you know? Exactly. And this one kind of steps it up a notch. No one we just cracked into yeah. now. Yeah, we, right. just, uh, we just cracked into This is another new one from Oscar Blues. Uh, and it's, like, they're going to, this year, from the way it sounds, the way things are ramping up now that the, the North Carolina brewery is fully going, they're going to be really coming out with a lot more beer this year, like newer beers and things, which is awesome. And uh, this is their hot box coffee porter. And you can never uh, claim that Oscar Blues doesn't come up with great names for their beers. <laughs> but uh, no, this is a new one from them. And they, what they they started actually, Oscar Blues themselves sell some of their coffee themselves. They they started. Uh, I remember talking about that before. I think they're selling it in basically Oscar Blues looking cans, from what I remember. Uh, but they're having their own coffee roasting going on, selling their own coffee. So I believe this is just their own coffee put into this one. Right. Unique one about, one about this, too, is that I think it's the first can I've seen from them that has uh, both breweries on the can. They're actually touting both oh, yeah. Colorado and North Carolina on the can. They usually go either or. You have to think there's some, you know, Colorado and North Carolina. Uh, there's got to be some, like, interstate rivalry coming up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Isn't that a Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, who, like, who, like, you know, like, who's the corporation pulling for? Yeah. Well, but It'd be an interesting like, divided amongst whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you always want healthy competition within business. I mean, it's going to yeah. help you. But I mean, you sure. imagine at the uh, the um, the business uh, party at the end of the year, there's a tug of war game that gets out of hand somewhere. Oh, yeah. somewhere yeah. You know? yeah. So you can notice the difference between this, yeah. and then and then the first one we had, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 This is a lot more heft to it, and, right? Yeah, there's so. a lot more roast coming through from the, the coffee. It's a, and it's it's. I think it's also, and this is also an American porter too. So they're in the same style, but this is six point five percent. So there is a bit more body and a bit more heft but to it. Right. big of a bump in ABV, no. so it just goes to show you what you can do. Yeah, you, you know can manipulate mean? that taste profile yeah. significantly, yeah. Uh, and I think that they did that in this particular case. Right? Yeah, I think that's what they were, they were really going for. I think, like, Oscar Blues, because how they 
have the brewery itself has gone with the styles that they had. Like they were very set with you know a handful of styles for very long, and now as they're getting into these new things, like they're really honing in and exactly knowing what they want as they're doing these. Well, I mean, they're they've always had this kind of density, body, mouthfeel thing down pat, whether it be Ten Fifty or Old Chub to like mm-hmm. Death by Coconut to this. It just they're they're they got it. Yeah, they, got they have unlock. it dialed in, yeah, yeah. which is great. And then, like, you're seeing this more and more, which is cool, too, with them having the new brewery. Like, you're starting to see their beers because they've been doing some of, you know, like, even, like, Death by Coconut, they've been doing that for some time, but it was never widely available. And now with these breweries having two going, two massive breweries going, they're able to get a lot more of these beers out, and you're seeing them in a lot more markets. So they're they're it's helping develop them even more outside of just being sought after beers that people are actually able to get them now. And they're a third brewery, right? Yeah, they're, they're working on doing something down in Austin now, too, which is like, There's why not? The other why one? not? You know? I, I think yeah. they already hit capacity in North Carolina, so, yeah. I mean, they're, you know, the only way to... Yeah, you know, we had to, them on. They had just got that going, right? They were just yeah. fully operational, and it just, like, clicked right into it, and they were going already, and it's like, I... The nightmare of trying to do all that, and then I don't even want to get into that. That's a whole other whole other thing. Before we get into anything else, but Mary, I want to get in a little bit before we come back from the break, so we're going to get into the, a lot more of the coffee stuff, But so people understand like, your background, sure. so why you're here. <laughs> it, like, was, it wasn't just to drink beer on, yeah. on Sunday? We, we okay. found her on the street. Right. And we said, <laughs> Not in. You, yeah, you have coffee. In the woods. <laughs> in the woods. <laughs> she was in the woods of Billy. Right. Um, but like, what was what's your background getting into this? Like, how did you get into coffee itself and down that road of passion for you? Yeah, so I, I started um, uh, looking for a really good cup of coffee back in 2002. I had an opportunity to work out on the West Coast. I was in banking, to make a long story short, and I was in San Francisco. So at the time, the beginning of what is this coffee explosion was really occurring. Mm-hmm. And... I remember flying home and I would take some coffee with me and then I would kind of prior to email call and say ask my friends if they could send some coffee because I couldn't really find any coffee in our area that just satisfied what I yeah. thought was a really good taste profile right and I really had no idea what I was talking about other than this I, is I good this I is could, not good this yeah. is good this is not good <laughs> yeah. right and so I decided to uh, figure out that I could roast the coffee myself and control many of the variables from the quality of what went in, which is why my tagline is what it is. It's all about the bean. If you've got, you know, the old IBM statement of garbage in, garbage out, I think is very true in many industries and coffee's no exception. So we started that way. We started to learn about that and we started roasting our own beans and through process of years Years of standing behind the roasters and the drums, we were able to figure out what worked, why we wanted to roast a particular coffee. And then from that, we weren't really satisfied. And I wasn't really satisfied with that. And then I decided that I needed to learn about the actual bean and the coffee producing countries, what's going on there. How does that manipulate the taste profile? And so I spent a lot of time working with uh, partner farms that now I have pretty much all over the world that I deal with. So that if someone came to us and said, we want this particular taste profile, or we want to use this and commission a beer or commission to do it this way, then we can literally tap into farms that can help us do that right from the the supply chain. And I think that to me was the biggest learning curve we have. And we still do. I mean, it's, it's, it's a work in progress. It's, it's interesting just even as you're saying this, like it's, it, 
parallels so much with brewers and brewery owners that we've had on. Like that's really where it is. Like you get, it's like you get that fix and you need it again. Yeah. And you and you you know that because as soon as your palate wakens up to that. It's like hard to go back. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. Right. And you're trying to figure out some way of doing it. And when you realize it's not that easy because I know what I want and this isn't it, you just do it yourself. Yeah, precisely. And I didn't realize that I was gifted and blessed to have a palate that was able to determine what I was able to determine with coffee. I didn't know that. I didn't know any of that. And then I went to, you know, to school and we went through the exams of which no one passes on the first try. There's 52 sensory exams. I passed every single one of them on the first wow. try. Yeah. And that's I, why well, actually I, I will tell you I did fail one. Oh well this is this no, is no, no, no. it's a funny story. <laughs> Controversy. We're done. We, we were up in we were up in Vermont and we had an opportunity to go to see Green Mountain at the time because one of their buyers was in this class. It was for the the uh-huh. Q, which is yeah. internationally rated uh, Q grading, which is what we do. Anyway, so he brought us all to his his facility while they were had all this hazelnut. So You've walked into a facility where you, all you smell is one thing, and mm-hmm. when you walk out for the next 24 hours, it's all you, you smell yeah. is one yeah. thing. Well, right after we went back in to do all of our tests, the next test was an olfactory test. <laughs> yeah, so you're burnt, you're blown the out. The entire yeah. class yeah. failed the test. <laughs> anyway, he allowed us, to, when he told the story, he goes, you guys are really stupid. But anyway, yeah. um, we were allowed to take it over. So so just a little bit of that, and, and then you realize either how good or how bad your product is. Yeah. And so then we really started dialing in what was Electric City Roasting Company and, and what we could provide and the, the breadth of what we could do for that consumer and picking up product. So, Well, when we come back, we're going to dive into some of that. We have some beer. We're going to run through some French presses, and we're going to get into differentiations. It's going to be a fun, tasty, good time. So stay tuned here in the Beer Geeks. WILK will be right back. Built for business. Comcast Business is offering 25 megabits per second internet from $69.95 a month. That means if you're still using slow DSL from the phone company, you have a decision to make. Do you switch to Comcast Business and get more speed for faster downloads or stick with slow DSL and watch your business stutter from slow speeds? Do you get internet that stays fast when other people are online or keep using slow DSL and have your employees struggle with lag time? The choice is yours. Switch to Comcast Business and get 25 megabits per second of fast, reliable internet from just $69.95 a month or stick with slow DSL and get slower speeds and more downtime at work. Make the smarter choice. Ditch slow DSL and switch today. Call 800-501-6000 or visit ComcastBusiness.com. Comcast Business. Built for business. Offer ends 331.16. Restrictions apply. To your contract and subscription to Comcast Business Voice and Business TV required. Equipment, taxes, and fees extra. Roll call! This is from your friends at Roll Call. Roll Call is now offering free firearms training from their certified instructors with the purchase of any new or used handgun. Instruction is on safety, weapons handling, range procedures, and the fundamentals of marksmanship. Stop by Roll Call at 299 Foot Avenue in Durier and see their selection of rifles, handguns, Under Armour apparel, Blackhawk, Thoroughgood boots, and much more. Roll Call is still buying all legal and functioning firearms cash on the spot. Now you can shop and blog from the comfort of your home at RollCall911.com. Like them on Facebook at RollCallLLC or just call 570-451-COPS. You must be free of any criminal history to enter the store. That's RollCall911.com, RollCallLLC on Facebook, or just call 570-451-COPS. That's 451-COPS. 
practice safe shooting with Roll Call. Ready to renew your post office box? Why not make it a Billy Box instead? At JT Billy Boxes, you get all the benefits of a post office box, plus you get to use our physical address for all your incoming mail. We'll accept packages for you so you don't have to come running home during the day, and we'll message you when the correspondence or package you're waiting for arrives. Plus, as a Billy Box owner, you get substantial discounts on our packing, shipping, and digital printing services. That's JT Billy Boxes in the Station Complex in downtown Wilkes-Barre, where we pack, we post, we promise. Call us at 208-4320 or visit us on the web at jtbboxes.com. Uh, you know what? Whatever is playing, I am happy. Yeah. We, have, we have coffee. Ain't nothing but a bean thing, baby. <laughs> oh, Donnelly, you missed that one. You missed that. Could have gone Deliberately. Right. <laughs> All right. So we're back. Uh, we have some coffee. We're, we're enjoying some great coffee right now from Electric City Roasting. We have Mary in the house with us. And we're now going to get into what we're doing is a little bit of a, an experiment here. Since we have a coffee roaster, we have a plethora of different coffees to try. So what we're doing is we're running uh, one single coffee. And what we're actually running through is Lagunitas Hop Stupid, which is a nice double IPA. It has like a, a nice profile that has a little bit of malt. It's not overly dry. Because that's when you're trying to find something like this. You want something that's not too aggressive that can kind of marry flavors with different beers. So we want to pick up the subtlety. So we actually have is we have four or five different coffees. I figure I think four, right? Four different coffees. And we ran them through a French press with Hop Stupid in it. And what we're going to do is just kind of get an understanding of what flavors are going on within that and what that's bringing to the beer and how those differentiations happen. But before we do anything, what I want to get into a little bit, so people have a little bit of understanding of the, the baseline for all this is, is now coffee. Coffee itself is kind of like a green bean as it starts. What does that flavor begin as if someone never bit into that? I think that what you're going to experience if you were to actually bite into that or or understand it and play around in that super light roast would be you would get a more of a legumous type of an, a vegetative type of taste profile, right? Herby, very earthy, but not earthy in a standpoint like you would a malt scotch or something to that. So you're really in the vegetative state. It is uh, quite tart, mm-hmm. and you would find that if you were to just prepare beer with green coffee beans that are just fully washed, not even a natural, but were fully washed green, what you would find is that you would get that sharp sourness I think to it so and so again I don't know if that's something you would want is there anything that you can use that for like that that flavor does that do people use that at all for anything or is it always it's pretty much always a roasted state the next moving on Uh, I think it's you would pretty much want to get it into some form of enzymatic and up into some form of sugar browning. You want it to go from being um, endothermic to exothermic. You want some of the sugar to release into the roasting process. You absolutely, I would think you would want that. Like it would caramelize in cooking. Almost. Except for it's really the mallard reaction. It's not necessarily a caramelization, okay. but I'm splitting hair. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Right. So the roasting process itself, like how does that begin? Like what is the normal? I mean, I know it's a different process. Is you get larger with some companies because they want to roast it all a singular right. burn type of thing to right. it. But as you get into the roasting process, how does that normally begin for, for most people as they're doing this? Getting into coffee roasting? Yeah. So 
So, obviously, roasting coffee is time and temperature, and generally speaking, it's done either through air convection or through drum roasting. Okay, so uh, so we would get into it that way. Mm-hmm. We roast on what we call bag roasters, one bag roaster. So, 69 kilograms is in a burlap sack, which in your mind's eye you can envision, right? So, those are the roasters that we use. We started, when I first opened my company, I started using a hot air gun and a manufactured funnel that I had made at a tinning company and I drilled a hole in through for a thermocouple. That's how I learned how to roast coffee. I started that way. And I moved from there and as I grew, I got bigger coffee roasters and bigger pieces of equipment. Was that trial and error when you first started then? Yeah, this was the trial and error. I didn't burn down my house. I was afraid I was (laughs) going to burn down my house. Yeah, success. But if you did, it would have smelled awesome while it burned. (laughs) I don't know. My husband's like, okay, you need to move now. That firefighter. Don't put it out. I ended up starting Zumo's Cafe that way because my husband was like, you need to get out of the house. You have to not do this anymore in my house. And so, this is, what are you going to do? So, that's how it started. And that's an interesting observation because what you're getting is the marrying of time and temperature, airflow and gas flow. And we teach these classes to roasters now so they understand how they can figure out how their water column affects the difference between airflow. And you can literally bake and choke a coffee bean to a point where your espresso tastes like barbecue sauce. Well, my question, you brought up earlier terroir, and it's the same thing with beer where it's grown, um, you know, temperate, um, the climate, to the soil and everything. Is it Does that translate at all to actual roasting? Like if you roast in a certain area, it's more humid and... Oh, significantly. That, all yeah. of those factors come into play more so in the rate of rise or in the actual temperature. It's just baking. So do you work like, like in like a, a sealed environment sometimes? Like actually, you, <laughs> I would love to. The answer is no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. But but so let so there's two conversations going on there. One is the environment of the roaster or the equipment, and the other one is the terroir or the environment of the green. Yeah. So. Yeah. Why we brought the coffees we brought today is so we could have a conversation on both of those avenues. One is the terroir and the green aspect of how that throws the taste profile in the same beer versus the environment of how we then have taken the green coffee and have roasted it. And what type of roast profile did we place on these coffees? So to start that, what we did is we said we're going to roast these coffees to what we believe is their perfect profile regardless of what we're using it for. We believe this makes this coffee shine. It is the best way to profile roast this coffee. What is the first one we had? We went around with one. What was the first one that we did now, the first coffee? Great. So this is one of our partner farms out of Nicaragua, and this is Bella Aurora. And this coffee, to me, this is a fully washed, super clean, lightly roasted coffee. And this is where we believe this profile is for this for this for this particular coffee. Then what we did, when you mentioned to me that we thought we might have an IPA, I mm-hmm. wasn't really sure which one. We thought this coffee is going to be one of the coffees that we would represent had the most citrus type of acidity mm-hmm. that we would roast. And how does that pair with an IPA? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. I think it actually, like, com- in combination with the IPA, the IPA is acting more like the cream and sugar. Yeah, that's you know what I mean. It, they really are, like marry one into one another. It doesn't taste uh, like we've done this before with other beers, and like you, you really a lot of times it'll come across as an IPA that's been dry hopped with coffee almost. But this, the, the flavors really marry into one another and seem so natural with one another in this. You can completely get a different coffee taste profile than we had in the last two beers, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is totally different. Significantly it's, different. It's, it's, it's way more brighter, way yep. more fresh. Yep. yep. You know, I mean, this is a great coffee. This family is an amazing family that I had an op- I've, I've had an opportunity to work with now. And the owner of the farm is Joaquin Lovo, and I just needed to buy coffee from a guy named Jack Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? Right? Yeah, right? But what a great family. And yeah. so, uh, again, they meticulously wash this coffee. And what do I mean when I say washed? And that's when, if, you've, if you know anything about a coffee seed or a coffee cherry when it's picked off a tree, what we want to do to this coffee is... Um, we remove the cherry, we remove the mucilage, and this is completely washed. This is giving us the, the, if you will, the brightest form of acidity in this particular coffee from a citrus type of acidity. We have another coffee on the table that we're going to be tasting that is, um, that is, uh, excuse me, is more that presents acidity, but it's a different type of acidity that we'll go through. And I think that this is a great opportunity to have you guys understand how acidity plays a role in coffee and, that and was, in beer. That was actually going to be one of the other things I wanted to talk about is that traditionally a lot of beers had, you know, traditional roasted coffee in it, but a lot of breweries go cold press now to kind of yeah. b- bring down bitterness and acidity and things like that. Do is you mean that, cold brew coffee? Yeah. yeah. Cold brew, yeah. yeah. They go that way yeah. so they can, so they don't get as much acidity or bitterness in it. Yeah. Where, where's the acidity level on a, on a typical cup of coffee? Like if, like seven's neutral, we know where's like, where does coffee come in at generally? Wow, that, that is a... That's a, a whole show. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, Way to go, Billy. Yeah, no. But I think that that is a great question. And yeah. acidity plays a delightful role in coffee if it's prepared correctly. And if it's too overbearing, it's penalized just as much as it is if it's missing. And so it's the roaster's responsibility and the green buyer, if, unless they're the same person, uh, to really understand their market to see where that is. For an example, out in Portland... And West Coast, there's a hu- there was a huge push on super light roasted coffee to a point where the bean wasn't even relaxed. Literally, it looked like shriv- it looked like shriveled up. Ra- it was t- it was terrible it, for me. That's that wasn't. But it was all the rage. Just to do something new. The acidity con yes, and the yeah. acidity content of some of that coffee was okay, but on others of it, it was so underdeveloped. That it was so, so it just wasn't being roasted uniform, kind of. It was yeah, yeah. right, yeah. And 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 I'm not. This isn't me saying I don't think they know what they're doing. They yeah. made a decision that that's they want to do appeal to that market. Well, yeah, when you're doing something on a large level like that too, I mean that's a whole other thing to get into to worry yeah. about trying to make that uniform. Because from I mean, my, you would understand more than I would, but my understanding with with these larger coffee companies to have that uniform taste because they're like you're going into these small local farmers and buying they're buying on such a large level from wherever they can source it from at the time, and their customers expect this one flavor. So they have to kind of go to the darkest end that they can of roast because they can all get those beans to that level, basically. You would think. Okay. You would think <laughs> that that's their intention to do that. I think part of you is absolutely correct in that. And there's another part of it that they're, I mean, clearly there is a commodity issue with coffee yeah. right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's all I want to get. Now, what's this one we have in the, in the glass now? It's the second one that went around. Also, so people know at home when we're doing this, we, we are doing the uh, the French press, the, the their whole beans in this. We, we didn't grind it or anything. We're just doing uh, a whole bean run through this. So that it's getting, it's not as, that, that's keeping it from getting too 
astringent with right. any of this because that's one of the things if you grind this around through French press it's going to be a little bit more astringent of a coffee flavor right. whereas letting it settle on whole bean it's just giving a slight impactful flavor to it. I also think that that'll if, that'll also affect the um, the heft of the mouthfeel which we want to maintain at the beer level. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's the other thing. If you're running it through a French press, too, I recommend don't push the French press thing all the way down because you'll kill the carbonation pretty much all together. If you let it settle just enough that it's submerged, you'll get those flavors kind of marrying with it a little bit, and it'll just be like a nice uh, steeping of a nice tea with it. Now, one of the things I'm wondering, too, as this craft coffee movement, I guess we'll call it. Third uh, wave. Thir- <laughs> that's what it's, it's third wave. As this is taking off, and we see it in craft beer, is there issues now, like you're going down to these smaller farmers, is there getting to be a little too much, like is there is there someone like maybe like a, a small farmer you want to get, but there's almost a bidding war to get their beans type of thing, because there's so many people going and there's a limited supply. Yeah, the, so there's clearly an issue at the farm level and at the supply chain level of that. And so to answer your question, when, we first, when I first started uh, flying to Origin, I realized a huge disparity in... The fact that some of these farmers were producing amazing coffee and they were not getting paid for that. The other side of that coin was I saw that other farmers were not trained to understand the quality and they ended up getting really um, penalized because they just it wasn't what they do and I don't yeah. know if you've ever had an opportunity to visit a coffee farm but it's not in our, in your mind's eye what you think of when you think of a farm in the United States it's not 350 500 acres thousands of acres of fields of corn or something to that nature that's just not how this works the average uh, coffee farm let's say in Latin America and in Honduras Guatemala uh, Nicaragua Costa Rica Panama, for the most part, these are small inheritances where these folks have maybe two or three hectares, maybe 10 hectares, maybe an acre, maybe two acres. And this is the, that's what they have. And for years, what they did is pick the cherries off of the tree. They just passed by. So they picked ripe and unripe at the same time. They walked to the middle of the street where there was literally the man in the middle of the street with a wad of cash and they paid everybody for their green. That's the reality of it. So you were penalized on quality if you had to compromise quality for quantity. And we quickly realized that the, the the coffee grower, the producer, if he, and he was trained to grow for quantity. Yeah. I feel... And I think that today it's somewhat determined that you're guaranteeing impoverishment for that region reason unless you are enormous to a point where you can do, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds of coffee. Um, <clears throat> that speaks to the world. I mean, that's a yeah. lot of things are like that. And, you know, you wish everybody yeah. kind of got the didn't get the short end of the stick when it comes to stuff like that. But uh, no, well, I know. think the difference is, is what what we've done is we've had an opportunity to um, we've had an opportunity to go down and actually work with. Yeah, when farmers. you're going direct, like you, you are ensuring like the, the cash is going from you to them because you are the one giving that. Yeah, I mean, to an extent we're doing that. You can't reinvent the wheel. But yes, yeah. I mean, to an extent you want to do that. But it's more than that. It's look, this coffee scored an 84. Out of 100. Yeah. Okay, so I'm a licensed grader that I can score that coffee at an origin-producing country. That's going to fetch $2 a pound. 
I'm throwing a number out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We want this farmer to... You want them to know that they have the goods and then they don't have to sell to this lowest bidder because they have the good stuff. Right. So, yeah. But my point is if we can teach them how to enhance composting, if we can teach them how to enhance pruning, if we can help them understand how to enhance the way they plant fresh tissue so it's the correct aspect on the sun, that it works correctly for the grower, that 84 might rise to an 86. Now, he has significantly increased his 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 the his value, his value. Yeah. and so there has been some significant trade-off where the worry comes is this number one some of these roasters are fly by night they go down one year they buy they're like i'm going to spend this amount of money well anybody can go spend a lot of money on anything that doesn't make you good at what you do yeah so the next year this farmer's thinking that roaster's going to come back but because he didn't buy his coffee correctly He's probably out of business, or maybe he can't afford to go back down. Yeah. So there's that. There's a huge trade-off. The biggest worry that I have for coffee-producing countries is this: the farmers around the age of fifty. Yeah. His kids are like, I'm going to go. I'm not going to live on a dirt floor. <laughs> I, I need running water, and I'm going to go work in the city. So who's going to take care of these farms? And you wind up losing yeah. all these like diamonds in the rough because no one's so. there. Yeah. yeah, and that's part of the problem. And so we really want to support that side of the industry. Yeah. And, and this is a great exposure to that, to be yeah. able to have this conversation well, to do that. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we have a couple more we're going to work through in the French press, and then we have a couple more beers to work through as well. So we're going to be back here on WLK at the Beer Geeks, talking coffee. Terminal illness is never easy. Hi, I'm Michael Kelly. At Personal Home Healthcare and Hospice, our staff can help our patients experience their last days in the most comfortable circumstances possible. That's why we provide care for them in their home, at a nursing home, personal care home, or an assisted living community, anywhere you call home. To learn more about how we can help, visit personalhhc.com. Personal Home Healthcare, it's the personal detail that sets us apart. Put a new Dixon City Hyundai in your driveway this month. It's the annual January Sizzling Meltdown event. Dixon City Hyundai wants your trade regardless of condition or balance owed. Being the number one Hyundai dealer in Northeast PA means huge selection and lowest prices. 2016 Hyundai Elantra SE lease for only $119 per month. 2016 Hyundai Sonata SE lease for only $139 per month. Or the all-new redesigned 2016 Hyundai Tucson. $239 per month. Only at Dixon City Hyundai. Zero down delivers on all new Hyundais with 0% financing available. What are you waiting for? All with America's best warranty, 10 years, 100,000 mile limited powertrain, and Hyundai Assurance. Certified pre-owned payments starting at $99 a month with $29 down. It's the January Meltdown event going on now, only at Dixon City Hyundai. 81 to exit 191A. Just past the Viewmont Mall on the left. Call 1-800-HYUNDAI. All leases 36 months, 12,000 miles a year, 1999 due at signing. Tax and tags extra. All rebates to dealer. You can check out all the details at DixonCityHyundai.com. Hi, it's Sue Henry from WILK. The holidays are over and it's time to start thinking about yourself and making some changes. Get rid of that pillow and treat yourself to my pillow. It's the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation. What makes my pillow so special is the patented interlocking fill that adjusts to your individual sleep needs. You could put it in the washer and fluff it in the dryer. There's a 10-year warranty. It's guaranteed not to go flat, a 60-day money-back guarantee, and it's made in the United States of America in Minnesota. Right now, there's a special offer on premium pillows from my pillow. These pillows have four different 
different loft levels, so everyone is customized to you as an individual. Here's the toll-free number, 800-544-7893. Use the promo code WILK for a special buy one, get one offer, 800-544-7893, or visit them on the internet at MyPillow.com. With 817 licensed automobile insurance companies in Pennsylvania, how do you know which program is best for you? Low rates, prompt fair claim service, flexible payment plans, or features like agent advice, accident forgiveness, and renewal discounts. Call Gallia Insurance today, and we can match the best solution for your needs. Call Gallia Insurance at 457-1666. That's 457-1666, or visit us online at galliainsurance.com. When you think insurance, think Gallia. We are amped up and wired in the studio. So we got coffee flowing everywhere. <laughs> and uh, we just had some uh, more run through the French press. We had a honey coffee. That was one we had right before the break, which added a real nice sweetness. And where was that one from? So that's a Costa Rican coffee that is, again, one of our partner farms. And we talked about initially the first coffee was fully washed. Mm-hmm. The second coffee we're dealing with is a honey coffee. And what that means is we let some of the mucilage stay on the depulpers. You just adjust the depulpers so it actually only removes a portion. Like just kind of the of outer the layer type Correct. thing. Yeah. So okay. you're leaving some flesh in there. So when you go leaving to roast it, it you're, you're keeping a little bit of kind of sweetness, residual sweetness on there to where it kind of adheres and roasts to the bean. So right. that way and, you get a little bit of sweetness. Right. And, and lesson learned, the first time you roast a honey coffee, you can't roast it like a washed coffee. Because <laughs> it burns probably. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. You can actually maintain the roast the roast temperature and time. You can you can keep it on the same curve if you have the ability to manipulate your your airflow a little bit. So that's that's kind of a fun thing to yeah. do. But anyway, yeah. How about this? This, yeah, this is really this is an Ethiopian coffee, which is one of my favorite regions to get coffee from. So I'm, I'm really this is it just has this really nice rounded quality to it that, that I think like even is more than the other ones possessed. It's somewhere it's between really, both of them. Okay, yeah, so it's a the, real balance. Right. And so what I'm picking up, right, and this, and we're using the same beer throat, which is a great mm. test that mm. we're doing. And so the this is a fully natural coffee, which means we didn't remove any of the mucilage whatsoever. And you can absolutely pick up this yeah. fineness. Yeah. 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 yeah it, it rounds it out, though, doesn't it? It doesn't come across as more sweet by any means. It, it just has this rounded quality to it. That It does seem like it's almost in between those two, that it, that it has this really wonderful quality. But it's just a really nice, like Ethiopia is like one of my favorite regions for coffee. It just always has these really great qualities about it. And like right. you were saying, there's like a, almost like a like a semi-sweet jamminess to it, like a, a berryness to it. Completely different acidity, not a bad one, but a different yeah. type of acidity. And that's what we want to work with. And the last coffee we have is um, another fully washed. So what I wanted to do is bring that right back into the comparison of the fully washed versus the natural. And these are processing methods. So these two roast profiles are very close. However, because of the processing of the bean at origin, Mm -hmm. you have completely different taste profiles. So sometimes the roast process and, 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 and how we roast this coffee um, changes significantly, but sometimes if you keep the roast on the same profile, if you will, mm-hmm. what you get is a completely different taste because of the fact that you're using green that's processed completely different ways. So just because the, the, that flesh has adhered more to it, right. that it's bringing... That's all. I mean, it's just an interesting thing because like, you really think of with coffee that it's just really where it's grown and how it's roasted are the two main things, but there's there's a lot more to it just with anything else. I mean... 
you want to get into higher quality and better stuff, then there's a lot more going on as there should be. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So now what's this last one that we have? This is a, we, we, we went all the way back around the world and now we're back in Latin America. This is a Costa Rican coffee, but this is a fully washed Costa Rican coffee. The attribute, I don't want to lead the witness. So yeah, this, yeah. this is like, like I said, the last time, um, the one before this, I said it was somewhere between the first and the second. This tastes like a mixture of the first and second. Like you're you're getting that citrus, but you're also getting a bit of like yeah. sweet kind of honeyness from it. It's almost you know like there's like a citrus with a little bit of cream kind of in it. Like yeah. how it comes across as like that sweetness. So I think that that's a, this is an interesting observation because the first one we did and the last one we did are washed exactly the same way. They're roasted differently, and you're picking up the roast profile. Okay. There you go. Yeah, that's so exactly what you're picking up. Nice. Yeah. So this is Costa Rica. And this is yeah. This, this is Don Mayo. This is one of our. Um, this is the first farm that I actually did sustainable coffee practices with. Was this farm and the coffee's fantastic. And it was then. And and it and it and I said we have to do some social projects. And so we started doing some of that down there. Costa Rican coffee is probably my favorite coffee. It's yeah. it, it, my buddy goes there once twice a year and always comes home with munch. Yeah. Smuggles it back and it's. Yeah. It's not good. anymore. He's not. I'll tell you that much. So it's interesting. <laughs> I didn't name names. So it's interesting because this, this, the Don Mayo is from the Terrazoo region, whereas yeah. the honey coffee we tasted was from the central region. <laughs> Completely different regions of, of, uh, of Costa Rica, but yet, com- you know, complete, like, same country, same origin, different profile. Now let me ask you this: sure. what is the what is the m- most singular? What's the worst thing? A, a consumer does in your eyes to coffee besides buying bad coffee like what's the offense say, please say cream and sugar because I drink mine black because I, I okay this is many years of counseling <laughs> but uh, it, it actually it, I find that for the most part we've had an opportunity to have folks trust our taste in coffee and they've worked with us and as and I've had an opportunity to observe the consumer as they've moved through this coffee uh, uh, revolution for, for yeah. whatever you want to call it. Um, con- even convenience store coffee today is 10 times better than it was 10 years yeah. ago. So it's interesting. For me, I think anytime someone dilutes coffee and puts cream and sugar into it, I think that that for me is a tough one, but I get it. Yeah. They're so used to drinking acidic, harsh tasting coffee as a means to get caffeinated that they don't understand. And I also think we have a love affair with sugar in our country. So, you know, a lot of, you know, we sell a lot of syrups and sauces and all that kind of stuff for that reason. Honestly, these coffees are some of the world's best coffees and you don't need anything in them whatsoever. Follow up question. People who don't like coffee, capital punishment, or <laughs> put them in some I kind of or- Orwellian to, kind of running you know, man situation to, for entertainment. I don't really know if I know. I, I mean, of course, I, a lot of people are like, sorry, Gary, we don't like coffee. And I'm like, don't apologize to me. You're the one that's missing okay, out. You're well, more, more for me. Exactly. Yeah. But at the same time, I get a lot of people just don't like coffee. And I think that's a great entree into cold brew because I think yeah. that manipulates the market to a point where it's completely different taste yeah. profile. Right? And, and what you heard uh, in the midst of all that weird sound in the background, we cracked open the can of Sam Adams, their, their uh, nitro coffee style, which is always a fun sound when you crack open a nitro can because it just sounds the like... Widget. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like there's like a demon coming out of somewhere. <laughs> but uh, no, this is, this is what I said in the top of the hour. This is one of the newer ones from Sam Adams. This is a nice coffee style, super smooth. That nitro's there. You see that real huge creamy head and they said that this is like widely available for them, which is another great thing from Sam Adams, what they're doing with this. But it's just, it's just a really nice thing 
thing, and this kind of leads into like we can go with stuff was you know the whole we were talking about the cold brew coffee, and that's really where you see a lot of brewers going when they're adding that into beer. What what does that do versus you know traditional brew coffee if you're doing a cold brew? Right. So cold brew coffee is not iced coffee. It's not what we grew up as as kids, where if you wanted iced coffee, you just dumped ice into a hot cup of coffee because we all know that completely dilutes the situation. So what we've done is move forward to say now we're going to toddy or cold brew coffee. And it's really a component of what kind of TDS, what kind of mouthfeel, what kind of heft do you want as the end product. That'll determine how long you toddy the coffee. So you grind coffee literally like you would a big tea bag and you toddy it for a certain period of time. 10 hours, 20 hours, however long you think you want to do that. The end result of that would be something that we have now moved into what's called a cold brew um, product. Once you're done toddying it, it needs to be kept refrigerated. Hence the name cold brew. So what what does that take away from, if you were to have that side by side with like a hot coffee, other than temperature, does that take away like some of the acidity? Is it rounded out more? Yeah, well, I think that it actually, it, it mutes the acidity and I, it, and some people love that. Yeah. And, and some people don't like it at all. And so there's a way to manipulate how you can move the acidity from, you know, one sense of the meter to the other, just by the way you either grind it or by the way you toddy it or by the way you... Um, which coffees you decide to use. A lot of brewers I know like to use it because it just basically drops down the bitterness a lot. And since you have a lot of bitterness in coffee to begin with, or a beer, sorry, sure. that you and what you end up doing is you don't get overt amount of bitterness in, in, in the beer itself because you're not having bittering from hops and bittering from coffee. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, so when we started, we had the first conversation we had is, is the nitro idea. So nitro coffee and cold brew coffee, is it's really, is all we're doing is we're taking cold brew and and we're nitrogenating it to give you that Guinness Stout type of of effect. We have started kegging cold brew, and this year, this spring, we'll be launching a canned line of wow. of cold brew, nice. and it'll be 100% coffee and water. That's it. That's what's in it. Now, do you see more people? Is that easy? Do people like that more? Like people that say they don't like coffee or something like that? Do you, have you seen anybody? I think it's a generation thing. I mean, uh, the I, I've found that some of our clients that are a little younger hmm. obsess over cold brew, whereas some older folks they could take it or leave it because they didn't grow up with this remarkable product yeah. that is less acidic but still has this great mouthfeel to it. Is that one of the biggest hurdles you think you have, especially in this area, is, is people are so used to something, whether it's g- good or bad, they just don't know it's indifferent. They just know this is how my coffee's supposed to be. You're going to get a sugars. cup of two tree. Yeah, a couple of two tree cups of coffee up behind, and, and then they, uh, and, and, and they don't understand the difference between what's good and bad. You know, I, I don't know if, if I would say I give our area a lot of credit because they really know what's good. It's just a matter of it takes a little bit more time. It's getting it in their hand, and in this case, in their mouth. Exactly, because I've always maintained that if you tried my product, you would absolutely buy my product. Yeah. And, and because of that reason, because of all the data we've done, all of the work we've done, the fact that it is all about the bean, understanding cold brew, understanding the different intricacies in these markets, I do think you're right in that... Oftentimes, there's the skepticism. Oh, you know, like, for an example, the first time you ever tried an IPA, 
Mm-hmm. The first I time remember I it well. I was six yeah. years old. Um. <laughs> like the first time you ever tried a, a, like a cider. Yeah. Or a sour beer. I mean, those that that kind of stuff. It, it, it's it's it just, okay. Yeah, to, it sits with you and, right. and yeah, it just changes everything. Understanding your, yeah. I think so. And so here's what I think. I think that we as a society are moving to understand our sensory a lot better than we ever did in everything. The whole local uh, uh, groundswell that we have and sometimes local is great and sometimes it's not. It's not yeah. Just because it's local doesn't mean it's good. That's, exactly. that's a, a big thing a lot of people I think right. kind of lose in the in that hype of wanting to do those things. Now one of the things we have that we're having now, this is that we're ending the show with this one. This is uh, a Funky Buddha Brewery and we had them on the show before. This is their Maple Bacon Coffee Porter this this has a lot of things going on within that. This is uh, maple syrup, but it's just like a nice smoking quality to it and everything. But it's just it's, this is like coffee porter. But there's a lot, and some people may not like and it. Some, Mary, Mary, Mary's not a fan, but I, this is one of the better beers I've had as of late. I'm sorry. I love. Uh, I'm a fan of this beer quite a bit. It's fantastic. You know what? I, we, this I feel a, like you right. feel like we played a joke on you. Yeah. yeah that, so I wasn't expecting this beer. Is it the smokiness coming through too much on you? Or it, the maple. It, you know, I have to tell you, it's for me. This beer, I, I wasn't expecting to have that that smokiness, yeah. and 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 I, I think that <laughs> now that I know it's coming, I should try it again. What I think this is, uh, I think this beer leans a lot towards cream and sugar in a coffee, yeah. and I think yeah. that's yeah, where you're absolutely right. You know what I mean? And that's kind of me. You were taken back. Okay, it's just not roast with coffee. It's maple sweetness. Yeah. And then, this and is again, almost this like a little is, breakfast in a this glass. This is probably thing. a great beer for a lot of folks because, again, people love sweetness. Yeah. And so for we have cold brew and we put uh, maple bacon into our cold brew. It's like for a certain customer, it's that breakfast sandwich. That's what yes. they want. And you either love that or you hate yeah. that. Yeah, it's like the McGriddle of beer, of beer <laughs> coffee. Something like that. You know that. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the McGriddle, you pull that one. Yeah. So, so <laughs> we might even actually have that as, as one of our of our canned cold brews coming out is a maple oh. bacon cold brew. And, well, we will and, try that one. And and so, I, but I understand what you're saying on this. It get you get to the point of you're not anticipating. Yeah, it's a, it's like a little ninja it just sneaks up and <laughs> smoky ninja. I think this was a freight train. Something. This is an yeah. eighteen wheeler <laughs> blaring all the horns. Here I'm coming. Yeah, but th- this is a, we've had Funky Boot on before, and we had uh, their Morning Wood on, which. I already know the reference everyone's going to with that one. Uh, but I no, no they, a really, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely just, more than a McGriddle, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, it's, it's a really easy drinking. For, for those who are into this, there's a lot going on. Now, one of the things before we end this, Mary, where can people find their copy if they're not local listeners? Is there a website you can hop on? Oh, sure. Electriccityroasting.com is our website, and we'll take you through your whatever you want. We'll answer all your questions, and you can just dial in and order whatever you'd like and we'll roast it up and ship it out. And I highly recommend you do that. You can get some great local coffee being made here and uh, you have a piece of us with you. How's that one? Absolutely. Uh, now, one of the things, as I said, this is a two-part show. Next week, we're going to be following up, getting into coffee and beer and that whole process of adding coffee and beer, even beyond the scope of what we've been doing today. And we thought, well, what better guest than to have Augie Carton on from Carton Brewing Company? So Augie's going to be calling in next week, and we're really going to dive deep into all the great coffee beers that Carton has. And Augie's going to walk us through the, the trials and tribulations of adding coffee into beer. And uh, who better to do that? So we'll be back next week here. And the Beer Geeks, WYLK. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.